Hey everyone, how you doing? Welcome to episode number 40 of the John Riley Project. Today is Major League Baseball opening day. One of the best days of the year. It's Thursday, it's March 28th, 2019, and hope springs eternal. We are getting the season going. There's lots of optimism. We're loving it here in San Diego with all the buzz going on with the Padres. There's a lot of other baseball things going on here in Poway and in the Mountain West Conference and all kinds of great things that are going on. But, hey, it's a big shout out to you. Thanks for joining me on this very special day on Major League Baseball opening day. If you're a longtime listener, a first time uh, viewer or listener, welcome and thanks for joining me here today. So um, just uh, I really want to dig in on the Padres. That's really what this is all about. But I want to just share a couple of little personal anecdotes um, that make this day special for me. So, you know, I own a small business and uh, my business has, you know, ridden the roller coaster um, over the years. I started it in 2001 and and uh, back in the mid 2000s, you know, I had like a office, I had a staff and we had production equipment, all sorts of things. My business has changed a lot. I do a lot more consulting, a lot more outsourcing with partners rather than having employees. But back in the day, I, yeah, I had a staff of people and I always gave them today as a paid day off. Um, and it was just one of the special things that I thought was cool to do as a business um, to give employees you know, these extra days off that normally other businesses can't offer, you know, because as a small business, you know, we couldn't pay our employees a million dollars a year. So we look for other creative things to do. So um, for me, this is still almost like still a personal holiday. I, I work very little on Major League Baseball opening day and I get to do things that I love and I love doing this podcast and sharing it with you. The other great thing that's going on with me in baseball, and I think I hinted about this in the last podcast episode, that I was going to start uh, experimenting, taking some of this podcasting gear on the road and doing play-by-play for Poway High Baseball. And we did that on Tuesday, and it was a great success. So um, we were able to uh, do play-by-play, streamed it live on Facebook Live. I, I have one of those headset microphones, and... Um, yeah, it was the first time I'd ever done it, and it, it went really well. I was I was really kind of feeling good about it, and I, I've got all kinds of new ideas on thing on ways that we can improve it. So I'm going to try to do that a little bit more this season, um, particularly like in away games, because you know most of the families usually go to the home games at Poway. But you know if the game is at RB High, like I did Tuesday, we went to Mount Carmel High School. But if it's at Rancho Bernardo High or Del Norte High School or Westview High School, those are easy ones for me to go and attend and, and um, do a little play-by-play, kind of live in the dream, you know? So, you know, my history in baseball, I've, you, know, you look on my, on my desk here, I've got Padre gear, I've got Giants gear. These are my two favorite teams, and they're playing together against one another on opening day. So I was raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, longtime Giants fan. You know, I really started following the Giants pr- probably around – Maybe 74, 75. So I was like nine or 10 years old. And back then, the Giants were not very good. They had a good year in 78, but came up short. But um, but I was still a longtime Giants fan. And it wasn't until probably, you know, I moved to San Diego in 82. And then it was around the late 80s, probably about 89 or 90, when I really kind of transitioned. And the Padres became my number one team and the Giants were my number two. And and still, I, I love rooting for the Giants. I always will. They're special to me. Uh, but when they're playing the Padres today, I got to root for 
all the amazing buzz and the young guys and Manny Machado and everything that's going the Padres way right now, which is so fantastic. I mean, we have a chance to break the San Diego sports curse. Can you believe it? So today is just a very special day and the sun is shining. It's San Diego weather. It's beautiful. And they're starting the season a little bit early, you know, March 28th. Sometimes they don't usually start until April. You know, they usually start right around when we're in the final four for the NCAA basketball tournament. And heck, we're in the sweet 16. So it seems like they're starting a week early. Um, but I love it. And I think I think they might be doing that. That might have been one of the deals where they were trying to provide more off days for the players during the, the season, which is great. So, But speaking of Poway High, a bunch of major leaguers have come out of Poway High School. So we got to do a few shout outs to our locals. Um, Alex Dickerson, um, you know, working his way back from injury. He's going to be starting the season with the AAA El Paso Chihuahuas in the Padres organization. The dude has got a good bat, um, you know, local guy here in Poway. Uh, he works with uh, uh, Darren Johnson, our, our hitting coach in town. And Alex, you know, there's a lot of guys. There's six outfielders on the major league roster. But, you know, Alex has got to work his way back. He's had been bitten by the injury bug the last two years, he still has a good opportunity in front of him, hopefully with San Diego. Um, Tony Gwynn Jr., another Poway High alum, um, he was just named as the uh, San Diego Padres POV host. This is their, um, you know, kind of spotlight on players, um, some of their, you know, the early pregame video that you see on channel, uh, you know, Fox Sports West. You know, for me, it's Channel 56 on Cox. So he's going to be hosting that, which is great. So shout out there to, to T. Gwynn Jr., um, Connor Joe, this is another great story. So Connor Joe, another guy, Poway, played at Poway National Little League, um, was drafted by the Pirates. Um, he was uh, um, eventually traded, I think, to the Braves and then to the Dodgers as a minor leaguer. Um, then the Cincinnati Reds plucked him earlier this year as a Rule 5 guy. And then like a week ago, as a Rule 5 player, he was traded to the Giants and he made the opening day roster. So Connor Joe, man, shout out to you. You're on the 25-man Major League roster for the San Francisco Giants. And you know what? You've got an opportunity because I know you're a corner infielder. Brandon Belt's probably going to get a lot of play at first. But third base, man, is wide open. Evan Longoria's long in the tooth, probably going to get bitten by the injury bug. And then you got... You know, Pablo Sandoval, God knows what's going to happen with him. So I think Connor Joe, he could work his way into that lineup. Hopefully he's going to have some great success. So I know a lot of Poway folks will be down at Petco today specifically to root on Connor Joe. So congrats to you, Connor. Um, Thomas Neal, um, he is a 2005 graduate of Poway High School. He's on the San, San Jose Giants. That's the single A club for the Giants. He's their hitting coach. Um, Tyler Nevin. Okay, we, we talk a lot about, you know, Kyle Nevin's on the on the varsity team at Poway High. But uh, Tyler Nevin, a, a first round draft pick um, of the Colorado Rockies. He's having a great spring camp with the Major League squad. Um, and he's going to report to Double A within the Rockies organization. That's with the Hartford Yard Goats. The Yard Goats. What a great name. So anyways, Tyler Nevin. Uh, Tyler's another guy that's been bitten by the injury bug. If he's healthy, he's very productive. The Rockies are very high on him. Um, read an article recently about Bud Black, the manager of the Rockies, was following Tyler when Tyler played at Poway High. Um, and at that time, um, you know, Bud Black was it was either the Padres manager or he was in between gigs um, when he was living in Rancho Santa Fe. So he's been following. 
following Tyler. Now Tyler is on the Rockies. So shout out to you, Tyler Nevin. And then Kevin Newman, 2012 graduate, Poway High School. He's on the uh, major league roster for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He has an opportunity um, to play shortstop and second base, hopefully more than a utility role, hopefully get some starting opportunities. And then Austin wins, 2009 Poway High graduate. He is on the roster for the Baltimore Orioles, a catcher. Um, I think he was a rookie. Was it last year or the year before last? But he came up, had great success. Um, we see Austin out um, over at uh, Dom Johnson's. Sometimes, you know, he's working with pitchers uh, out there in the backyard. Um, so <laughs> the Johnson family, man, they're a big family here with Poway Baseball, offering great support for local kids as well as professional athletes, both for hitting and pitching. So we we'll see Dickerson. We'll see. Austin wins here, and I'm sure a lot of these other guys will be flowing through. So congratulations to all the Poway High guys that are playing ball professionally, and particularly Connor Joe, man, major league debut, baby. This is a sweet day for you, Connor. So hope you have an opportunity to get an A-B, and um, and I hope you get a base hit. But, of course, I'd like to see the Padres win. So, Connor, you have a great day, and uh, hopefully the Padres have an even better day. Um all right, so uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the Padres. Uh, you know, spring training wrapped up. They had a great spring training season. There's so much buzz going on around the, uh, the the organization. Padres Twitter, man, is just buzzing. It's alive. There's a lot of people having a great time there. People are talking about meetups. They're buying jerseys. They're organizing to get to games. Um, but everyone is just so excited, you know, and the 25 man roster just came out today. It was formally announced. And, you know, there's a lot of interesting little stories there. We're going to go through that. But it all starts with Manny Machado, man. I mean, Definitely the top free agent signing of the year. The Padres have done that now two years in a row with Hosmer last year, Machado this year. I mean, we've got some legit players on this team. Um, it's no longer, you know, the AAA Padres. Um, this is a major league squad. Um, they, you know, are they going to contend this year? I, we'll talk about that, but, but I think they're going to be a lot better. I mean, they only won 66 games. I mean, you put Machado on that team and boom, I mean, we got credibility. Um, he's going to offer power in the middle of the lineup. He's going to protect other batters. Um, he's going to, he's great defensively. You should see the moves that guy makes at third. Um, and then, you know, provide some guidance, some leadership um, for the rest of the squad. I mean, the, the young guys are fired up about having Machado on the team. I just saw a tweet um, today, KUSI reported this, that Manny Machado was in a Target uh, store here in San Diego, and he found someone's wallet. And he posted on his own Twitter account, hey, I found a wallet at the Target store. And he showed a picture of the wallet, of course, without showing the ID of the person and said, if this is yours, let me know. So Manny Machado is in town. He's a good Samaritan. You know, he gets a lot of flack for being a villain. But you know what? He's a good guy. He's got a good character, a good heart. Sometimes the competitive streak gets him a little bit. But, you know, here in San Diego, we need that edge. We need that competitive fire. That's why I'm really happy to see Manny here. But the more I learn about him... He's a family guy. He's a relaxed guy. Um, and he's just, you know, living his life, man, and, and just having fun with it. Um, so I, I'm getting lots of good vibes about Manny Machado. So love him here with the Padres. 
And then Tatis, man, Fernando Tatis Jr., the number two overall uh, prospect in all of the minor leagues. Everyone figured that he was going to be starting the season in AAA, you know, the way the, the ownership will manipulate the roster so they get one extra year of protection. And the Padres said, the heck with that, man. He is our best shortstop. He's on the starting roster. And the rest of baseball is going what? What are the Padres doing? Because it is so counter to the strategies that, that these um, teams have been doing to keep their high-talented guys in the minors as long as possible so they can maximize the number of years that they have control before they hit free agency. But the Padres, man, we've been losing for so long. Man, we have an opportunity to win now. And that's what they're doing. So they're saying, let's win now. And besides, you know, the way the you know, the way the um, the collective bargaining agreement is set up now, um, free agency is almost, you know, discouraged. You know, you're seeing a lot of teams signing players before they hit free agency, like Alex Bregman of the Houston Astros. He still has two more years before he hits free agency. Um, the Astros just locked him up on a, um, I think it was a five-year, $100 million deal. So we could get... Excuse me. We can get into like um, maybe year three or four. Macha, uh, Tatis could be just the, the, as great as we all hope him to be. And then, hey, let's sign him to an extension um, and, and we can keep him long term. And, and it, this is actually a great thing because less free agency, while that affects the marketplace and maybe isn't a good thing for the players, it's a wonderful thing for the fans because now our players – we have more connection with our players for a longer period of time. And, you know, back in the day, you know, you know, certain players would only play on one team throughout their whole career. And I mean, like Mickey Mantle, you know, or um, Joe DiMaggio, you know, they were with the Yankees the whole way through. And so um, now we might be seeing a little bit more of that, less volatility in roster. So great for fans. Um, and if you're fortunate to get one of those long-term extensions, I mean, good for you as a player. I mean, heck, 100 million bucks for Bregman, good for you. So that may be the strategy of A.J. Preller and the Padres. They might say, let's just put Tatis on the roster now. We know we're going to lose one year of control, but you know what? We're probably going to end up extending him anyways. And if it turns out that this year he's struggling, and that's very possible, he has a relatively high strikeout rate, but he's only 20 years old. He just turned 20. He's going to be the youngest um, uh, the young, what was it? The youngest starter um, on major league teams since Adrian Beltre did it, I think, in 2006 with the Dodgers, and the youngest starter for the Padres at shortstop since Ozzie Smith debuted as a rookie back in what was it, 77 or 78. So, what what Tatis is doing this year is very very rare. So the point I'm getting to is that you know he may stumble. He may struggle. And if he does, the Padres could always still send him back to AAA. And if they do, that'll minimize his service time this year. And they may end up getting that extra year of control anyways. So it seems like it's a win-win for everybody involved. Uh, put, the, put Tatis on the team now. Demonstrate to your fans that you want to win. Put the most exciting team on the field now. Reward Tatis for his great spring training and the things he did in Winter League. Um, create more excitement, more buzz. Um, and, um, you know, and if it doesn't work out, you still have options. So I think it's a terrific move by A.J. Preller and the Padres to put Tatis on the opening day roster. Um, oh, and then there's Chris Paddock. 
Now, we talked about Chris Paddock in our podcast, um, you know, a week or so ago about believing in yourself. This guy is fantastic. So, again, another one who had a great spring training. He was dominant. Um, he, as Andy Green says, he knocked the door down. Um, so there was no way he was going to get sent down. But everyone thought that maybe Paddock was going to have to go to the minors just for that manipulation of service time, just like we talked about with Tatis. But again, the Padres said, hey, man, Paddock, we, you're our guy. And frankly, the the Padres need him. I mean, right now, they really only have four starters, um, and Paddock is one of them. But Paddock is so special. Uh, I, I just love the way he shows up in a game on game day with a with a suit, a cowboy hat, and a cowboy boots. And man, he is ready for business every fifth day he starts. So already in, in Padres Twitter, Mickey Koch and some of the other guys are going on about, we got to get cowboy hats on the days that uh, that Chris Paddock starts. And I think it's a great idea. So um, I need to go out and get a cowboy hat um, so I can, I can participate in the fun. But um, yeah, Paddock's on the opening day roster. So it, I mean, all these young guys, the excitement, um, I mean, even Mejia, you know, Francisco Mejia, you know, the great hitting catcher, you know, still has some things to work on defensively. People thought, once again, they would keep him down in AAA to work on his defensive um, skill set and give him, and, and the Padres could have a little more control. But instead, they said, heck with it. We're putting you on the roster. And so now we've got two legit catchers. Austin Hedges, great defensively and showing a lot of recent upside offensively. Had a great second half of the year. Austin Hedges had you know, pretty good spring too. Um, but Mejia, I mean, the bat speed on Mejia, it's like watching Gary Sheffield when he was on the Padres in the early 90s. I mean, Mejia is a, a talented hitter. I think the jury's still out on how good of a major league catcher he can be, but I love the fact that they're putting him on the roster and they're going to work him in. And, you know, whoever plays better will will get the, get the reps. And, you know, they're bringing all the talent up, which we've been waiting on and 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 now it's finally here and you know there's going to be injuries and and guys will you know things won't work out as expected but the fact that we can rely on talented backups is awesome i mean usually when our starter would get hurt i mean the next guy in line on the bench was you know, just an ordinary player, a guy that barely makes a major league roster. Now our bench is loaded. Um, so, you know, Andy Green's going to have some some challenges working everybody into the lineup, but it's a great problem to have. So Mejia, man, congrats for making the roster. Um, you know, he got a cup of coffee there in September, but love seeing him there. So um, what about the outfield? Uh, you know, first of all, Myers, I love, I've always loved Will Myers. Every time he bats, He's just such a specimen, you know, just love his athletic build, love his swing, love the bat flips, but he's still, you know, mentally, he's not always there. He's, some people call him a little bit of an enigma. I mean, he has talent, you know, that he should be a 30 home run, 100 RBI, 20 stolen base, hitting like 280 or up. I mean, that's the kind of skill set he has. He's just got to figure it out. So, Will, we need Will to come through this year. He's going to need to figure it out uh, because if he doesn't, I mean, the Padres got a lot more outfielders they can put in there. So, you know, Will needs to perform. And he's got that big contract, but, you know, uh, you still got to you still got to perform on the field. And when there are guys on the bench that can take your job, you know, step it up. So Will, he's got a good mental approach. He's married, you know, he's visiting the Bosley Hair Club for men. So um, he's feeling good about himself. So, all right, Will Myers, man, let's let's have a good season in, in left field. I know the Padres were experimenting with you in center, and I, th- I thought that was a good experiment. Now, granted, he 
played in center field, you know, in 2015, wasn't very successful, but he's still a great athlete. And they wanted to put him in center so they can play Renfro and Mejia against tough lefties. And you were thinking opening day could have been that day. I mean, because you're, they're facing Madison Bumgarner for the Giants, and and Renfro smokes um, Bumgarner. Uh, but Will didn't quite develop enough in spring training in center field. So I think they're just going to go back to plan A, um, put um, Myers in left. They'll probably still tinker with it and give him a few starts in center. Um, but – Manuel Margot, man, buddy, man, you got to He's got to step it up. I mean, dude is fantastic defensively, but we need more offensive production from Manny, uh, more uh, production on the base pass because he's been struggling there. And then the Padres are starting, um, you know, uh, uh, Reyes um, in right field today. And Reyes, you got to follow him on um, uh on Instagram. I mean, the dude is just fantastic. Uh, it's just so much personality and uh, just loving life, living life. Um, you know, we talk about this podcast about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, um, Reyes just really captured that. So loving seeing him out there. I'm bummed we can't fit Renfro into the lineup today. Like I said, just because he has had so much success off of Bumgarner. Uh, but you know, uh, the season, this is game one of 162. So they'll, they'll work that out. They'll figure it out. Um, Padre signed this guy from Arizona, Socrates Brito. So <laughs> I love having a guy in the name named Socrates. Um, so just more personality, more fun to add to the Padres. Apparently he's kind of like a Travis Jankowski, a defensive, uh, wizard, uh, fast. Um, you know, we're not sure about his bat, but he made the major league roster. So the Padres are carrying six outfielders. So it's um, Myers, Margot, Reyes, um, Brito, Socrates Brito. Um, Franchi Cordero made the team and dude has just got power. Like that guy's unbelievable. Um, His left-handed bat can just kill it. Um, And then they have uh, Renfro. So Hunter Renfro. And then there's still Jankowski who, you know, hopefully will be back sometime in late May or early June. So these Padres, they have all these outfielders. They're missing pitching. You still feel like A.J. Preller has got a move that he's just kind of waiting on, you know. And during this last day, a lot of teams were releasing players like like Socrates Brito, Padres are kind of moving around, manipulating, getting a couple of players on the very end of their bench to fill out that 25-man roster. I still believe a trade's coming. There's a lot of rumors that maybe there's a deal in place with Cleveland Indians because they've got pitching and they need outfielders. And, um, you know, the, the Padres and the Indians match up on the surface. Now, how about the Giants? I mean, I know it's tough to trade in the division, but the Giants desperately need outfield help. And they've got some good pitchers. I mean, imagine the Padres trading for Madison Bumgarner. I mean, that would be great uh, to have him on the Padres. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But we'll see. Um, as the season unfolds, you know, people think that the Giants may lose 100 games. Um, so Bumgarner may very well become trade bait as we get into June and July. So, you know, keep our eyes peeled on that one. How about the infield? Um 
We talked about Machado and Tatis. It was bummer that Luis Urias did not make the team. Um, you know, he struggled a little bit at the plate, but that guy still has great talent. He just got to work out a couple of things um, in AAA. So I'm sure we're definitely going to see Urias later this year. Ian Kinsler um, had a great spring training. Um, so he's getting the start at second base. Um, but, but let's be real. Kinsler is in his late 30s. His career has been on the decline offensively. He had a gold glove year last year at um, at second base. Um, I think it was on the Angels and then the Red Sox. So he had a great year defensively, but his offensive production in spring training was far above what his um, numbers have been the last couple of years in the regular season. So which Ian Kinsler are we going to get? Now, I was hoping that Kinsler, when they originally signed him, was going to be the equivalent of Chase Utley with the Dodgers. You know, this sort of veteran leader, can play infield, going to offer that guidance, going to be a great pinch hitter. Um, and, uh, you know, he very well may be that, depending on when they bring Urias up. So Kinsler gets a start today, and we hope he's going to have success. Then, of course, Hosmer at first. But, but look at that infield. I mean— Compared to where we were last year, we had Headley at third. We had Galvis at short, who's great defensively, but couldn't hit. And then who was our starting second baseman? Was it Perella? No, no, it was Carlos Asuaje. So um, Perella started in left field for us last year. Um, Myers was in right, and I think Margot in center. So the, 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 the starting lineup this year is so much better than it was last year. So that's why there's so much excitement. Um, and then catching, and we talked about Mejia. Hedges, um, been seeing interviews with him and um, reading articles about him, and he's definitely really putting his personality forward. I love hearing him um, talk about building relationships with the pitchers uh, because in order to call strikes or know what they're going to throw, he needs to kind of understand how they tick inside, what makes them tick. And, and he's really doing that sort of um, connection on a personal level with his pitchers to really understand their nuances and their persona. And then he can really work with them on their pitching and, um, and all the things that come along with being a major league catcher. So love seeing that leadership from Austin Hedges. Um, but again, how's this catching situation going to roll out? It's, you know, we could have two great catchers. I mean, and a catcher, you know, you're usually lucky if they can get in 130 games a year. So imagine if Hedges goes 110, 120, and then Mejia gets um, 40 or 50 starts behind the plate, and then Mejia, great bat off the bench. And you could even plug Mejia in, you know, if you had to, in the corner outfield um, and, um, you know, in an emergency, in a pinch. But, you know, Mejia's bat is so great. So, I'm, again, how is Andy Green going to make all this work? So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the season unfolds. But yeah, the, um, the what time is it now? I think it's about 1130 or so. So um, I'm going to turn on uh, Channel 56 here in a minute and um, looking forward to all the opening day, you know, um, starting announcement, uh, starting uh, um, uh the starting roster, introducing the coaches, the reserves, all the um, the bunting, the red, white, and blue, the excitement. I mean, it's just going to be great. The, uh, opening day introductions, I mean, introductions in general, but opening day introductions just make, you know, 
it just makes my spine tingle. I just love it. And so um, this is going to be a great day. So there were a couple of interesting surprises on the 25-man roster. Brian Mitchell was DFA'd, designated for assignment, which basically means he was cut from the 25-man roster. So now other teams can pick him up. But he has struggled mightily. You know, when he first came to the Padres last year, he had a good September. He had every opportunity in the world to make the starting rotation in spring training, and he just didn't do it. So is he going to get picked up by another team? Is he going to not get picked up and just go down to El Paso? I think we'll find out. Um, Brian Mitchell, another guy, lots of talent, just hasn't figured it out. So hopefully he has some success, and hopefully he stays in the organization. I mean, the Padres gave up. Well, they basically took on Chase Headley's $13 million in order to get Mitchell. So you'd hate for that just to be wasted. Uh, it may turn out that it's wasted, but it'd be nice if we can hold on to him. He can uh, p- pitch in AAA, have success, and maybe we can bring him up later. Um, and then what, you know, Jose Perella, <laughs> Perella, he, he gets so much scorn from the people on Padres Twitter um, because he just is always there. You know, he's always on the team. He's always making the team. And he he's just the guy that, you know, he's really kind of a, a, you know, a utility guy. You know, he, he's almost like Alexi Amarista, but maybe just a little bit bigger because uh, he can play infield, he can play outfield, and he's versatile. But um, people were so frustrated on Padres Twitter how Jose Perella continued to be on this team. And then when spring training started this year, he had a really good spring. And you're thinking, oh, my God, we're going to have Jose Perella again. Well, he didn't make the team. So, that in and of itself is great news because it shows that the Padres are making huge progress, that we no longer have to have these these guys, these ordinary, nondescript you know, guys that would not make most other major league rosters. Um, now there's no room um, in the dugout for someone like Jose Perella. So, you know, bummer for him that he's going down to AAA, but it just shows how far the Padres have come. And then what about pitching? You know, we've only got four starters. So um, today it's Robbie Erlin, uh, not Robbie Erlin, um, Eric Lauer. Um, and then number two, tomorrow it's going to be um, uh, Joey Lucchese. Saturday, I think they think it's going to be Matt Strom. I'm not sure if that's really been formally announced or not, because I think they were originally saying Strom was the number five starter. And then um, on Sunday, Chris Paddock. So <laughs> I'm going to love to watch that game. Um so we only have four starters. So what's going to happen? You know, people are thinking maybe we should sign Keuchel, Dallas Keuchel, who is a former Cy Young Award winner. But, you know, he's in his um, 30s. He's kind of probably on the downside of his career. He's going to require a lot of money. He wanted a $100 million deal um, this free agent period, and no one bit. No one signed him. But he's out there, and there's a number of other pitchers that are out there. So what's going to happen? You know, the Padres have such great pitching talent, but it's still – Incubating, It's still in single A and double A. Um, later this year, hopefully they'll have an opportunity to come up. But, um, you know, uh, Nick's, you know, Jason Nix, he, he was a potential starter. He got hurt. Um, you know, Logan Allen and uh, Cal Quantrill had every opportunity in the world to make the team, but they struggled in spring training. Those guys are going down to triple A. So we're going to see all these guys eventually. I mean, because where there's going to be injuries. Some of these guys on the starting rotation might struggle. There's going to be opportunities for for these other pitchers. But today, on opening day, we only have four starters and six outfielders. So that's the imbalance. So 
AJ Preller, I think, has an opportunity to make a deal. But the good news is he's not rushing into it. In the past, the Padres would make the deal and often get less value in return just because they felt leveraged to make the deal. And he's not doing that anymore. Now, granted, not every deal that Preller has done has worked out like the Brian Mitchell deal. But think about trading James Shields for Fernando Tatis Jr. or trading Fernando Rodney for Chris Paddock. I mean, I got to give credit to to, um, to A.J. Preller overall. I mean, he's built the number one farm system in, in uh, Major League Baseball. He's made a number of great trades. He's assembling a really good roster. He's got a strategy. So I'm excited to have A.J. Preller as our GM. I mean, because the Padres actually have a plan. Uh, in the past, they, they couldn't see, you know, more than two steps in front of their nose. Now they're living in an objective reality, but they're also building for the future, and they're doing it in parallel, and they're doing it intelligently. So great to see that. Um, Also on the pitching side, um, you know, the Padres signed a couple of uh, um, relievers um, during spring training, Uh, a guy named Aaron Loop, who is a lefty, kind of a sidearm lefty. Is he a lefty specialist? Is he a guy that can give you an inning or two? I don't know. Uh, Apparently, he's had a really good track record with the Blue Jays. I think he was on the Cardinals for a while. Uh, So he's on the squad. And then another one, um, his last name is Warren. His first name is Aaron Warren, I think. is I know nothing about him, but I know he was a guy that's got major league experience. They signed him, um, so he's on the opening day roster. So, so some of the guys in the bullpen will be a couple of new faces, but you know they, they, they've still got Yates. They've still got Stammen. Uh, Wingenter is there. Love watching him. Six foot seven, long hair, throws 97, 98. And then there's Robert Stock. He's on the team. That dude can throw 100 plus. And Robert Stock is another great guy to follow on Twitter. Robert Stock and his brother have a podcast, you know, just like the John Riley Project. They talk about baseball, a lot of the finer techniques of pitching. So uh, Robert Stock, another great personality. So I love how baseball is really encouraging a lot of these players to come out and have personality because, you know, they're trying to attract people to the sport. I mean, you look at the NBA. I mean, every one of those players is is a brand entity into and of themselves. Um, and that's true to a large degree in football. So baseball has always been sort of that conservative sport, that old-fashioned sport where, you know, drawing attention to oneself was often frowned upon. But I think um, – you know, baseball is kind of getting over it and they're starting to embrace the showmanship. Um, and, uh, and the Padres, Machado and Tatis, um, they've got those kind and, and Reyes. I mean, Reyes is this, he's unbelievable. So, uh, the guys are, are stepping up and, and showing some personality. And I, I love it because now the Padres, they have an identity. And next year, hopefully they go to the brown and gold. And I'm looking forward to that too. This is our, what, our 50-year anniversary. Um, they were an expansion se- a team in, in uh, 1969. So now it's 2019. Um, actually, that would make this our 51st year. So we just celebrated our 50 anniversary, um, which is great. I mean, that's a, a wonderful accomplishment. But 50 years and no World Series wins. 50 years, no World Series championships. 50 years, only two World Series appearances. 50 years and only one World Series win. That was in 84. They lost 4-1 to to the Tigers. And in 98, swept by the Yankees 4 nothing. So could the San Diego sports curse finally be lifted? 
Are we on the verge of, um, you know, great things in front of, front of us for the San Diego Padres? I think we are. I think the, the future is bright. And, you know, it's easy to say on opening day when everyone's feeling good about things, but I really do think um, they're going to have a good year. So, you know, for me, all these years, I used to always say, please, Padres, can you just play 500 ball? That has always been my wish. And it seems like every year, like in June, they get really close. They might be two or three games below 500, and then they hit a six-game skid, and, and they're back, you know, with a winning percentage in the low 400s or the high 300s. So for me, my expectation, my prediction for the Padres this year is 500 ball. I think they're going to be 81 wins and 81 losses. That That is my heart speaking it is also my mind speaking. So, um, you know, uh, Vegas prognosticators have them at 77 wins. Um, you know, it's the Vegas guys are all about their brain, not about the heart at all. Um, I am glass half full optimistic guy, but I'm, I think I'm realistic. Now, there's some people that think the Padres could contend for a wild card. I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Um, Machado um, is going to be a huge addition, but let's be real. Of our four starters, only two of them have had legitimate starting experience in the major leagues. You know, um, Lucchese and Lauer, just one year each. Um, Strom got a couple of spot starts last year, but that was really that's concept of an opener for a bullpen game where he only went two or three innings. So he's, he wasn't a real starter back then. Uh, can he be that this year? Yeah. And then you got Paddock, who's just a rookie, still wet behind the ears. Um, and then, you know, look at the infield. I mean, you got Tatis, he's 20 years old and no major league experience. You got Kinsler that's on the downside of his career in his high, late 30s. You got Myers, who's still trying to figure things out. You got Margot, who's still trying to figure things out. You got Reyes, who had two great months last year, but that's it. So um, he's really young. Um you know, is Austin Hedges' bat going to, you know, really develop? Is Francisco Mejia's cashing going to develop? So I think while there's so much upside, so much positive optimism, there, there's still legitimate reasons for concern. So I'm just going to make it easy on myself. I'm going to say those are going to balance out and it's going to be an 81-81 season. 81 wins, 81 losses, 500 winning percentage. So um, what else am I predicting? You know, a lot of guys are on record predicting, um, you know, who's going to finish in what place. And I'm going to go, you know, you got to go with the Dodgers and the NL West. In the NL Central, you know, there's a lot of movement going on there. You know, is it the Cubs? Is it the Brewers? I'm going to go with the Cardinals. You know, they signed uh, Goldschmidt. They they picked up um, a lot of pitching uh, uh, help there. The Cardinals are just such a great organization. They never are terrible. Um, they are, they're, they're always usually very good or excellent. They're like the equivalent of Torrey Pines here in CIF in San Diego County uh, sports. They're just always good. And they just added a great player. Um, and, you know, the Brewers had a great year last year. Can they repeat it? You know, the Cubs, you know, they, they got a little bit of volatility there. Their guys, their pitching staff's getting a little bit older. Um, you know, so the Cubs are still going to be good. The Brewers are still going to be good. In fact, those are probably your two wild cards are going to be the Cubs and Brewers. But I'm going to go with the Cardinals winning the Central. And then in the, in the, um, in the National League East, I'm going to go with the Braves. 
Um, they, um, they've got a lot of great young talent. They're a team on the rise. Um, you know, the Nationals, they lost Harper. Uh, they still have great pitching with Washington. Um, the Phillies have been picking up a lot of great talent, but are they going to be able to put it all together this year? I'm, I'm kind of going to go with, um, yeah, with, with the Atlanta Braves as my um, forecasted champion of the East. And then as far as the World Series team, I mean, it's easy to pick the Dodgers again, but I, I just, I'm not going to go there. So um, let's go with, um, let's go with the Brewers making the World Series out of the wild card slot. That's my pick um, for the playoffs on the National League side. In the American League, let's go with the Yankees uh, winning the East. Uh, Boston, you know, of course, won the World Series, but they'll have a bit of a hangover. But Red Sox will still make the playoffs. They're going to be a wild card. In the Central, you know, everyone's picking Cleveland, but Minnesota picked up a lot of great talent. And I'm going to go with the Twins to win the Central with Cleveland being a wild card. And then the easy pick in, in the AL West is that Houston Astros. And I think the Astros are going to win the American League playoffs. So let's, it'll be an Astros Brewers World Series, and the Astros are going going to come back and win the World Series. That's my pick uh, for the 2019 season. So what about the plan for games this year? You know, I usually only go to about three games a year, roughly, you know, maybe a little more, a little less. Um, It seems like every time I go to the ballpark, it's just takes so much time and it's so expensive. And, um, you know, and I, I drive home and I just feel like, Oh, you know, um, so I, I think it's maybe a sign of me getting old. So, but I still want to go to some games and, and, uh, John Carson, who's been a guest here on the John Raleigh project, he reached out to me. We've talked about going to a ball game this year. So we're going to, John, you and I are definitely going to go to at least a couple of games this year. Um, I want to go to some games with my family. Um, and, uh, you know, when, uh, my children are back in town, we'll go and I'm, I like to go to a game with my wife as well. So I'll bet you I'll probably get out to the park, maybe four or five times this year, but I just, it's just so easy and comfortable to watch it from home. You know, it's big screen TV. You've got all your food and drink here and love the replays. And I'm a big fan of Don Orsillo and Mark Grant. I love their broadcasts. I like their, their routine, their comedy They're, They have a lot of fun with it. And so, um, loving those guys. And I'm going to be, you know, I, I probably watch easily 80% of the games on TV. Now, not everyone do I sit down from the beginning to end and watch it all the way through. Sometimes I'll have it on in the background, but I'm always usually following the games um, and I'm really looking forward to this season. So, you know, in 2015, they got, they, you know, they had created all the, the big signings, but um, to a degree, that's almost like what the Phillies did or the Phillies did this year is kind of like what the Padres did in 2015. You know, they just got all these big name free agents and they hope they can build a team around it. Um, but, you know, we were all disappointed in 2015. Um, I think we have great reason to be far more optimistic this year in 2019. This could be the year the Padres turn the corner. Imagine having a 500 season and then we're looking at 2020 and then we can seriously talk about having a competitive roster. And maybe by then, you know, maybe we pick up, um, you know, a a good um, pitcher rather than picking up corner infielders the last two years with, Hosmer and Machado, you know, maybe we pick up a starting pitcher um, like um, Garrett Cole for the Houston Astros. Wouldn't that be terrific? So 
We'll see what happens in 2020. But today, it's 2019. It's opening day. It's the Padres and the Giants. So it's going to be a great game. Looking forward to that. And while the game is, is the pregame is going on, I'm hoping to do my post-production on this podcast and try to get this podcast posted um, before or shortly into uh, when the game is, um, is on the air. Um, what else? I, I guess the other thing that's interesting to comment about, as long as we're talking baseball, is the collective bargaining agreement. You know, and I talked about it previously, where you know free agents are struggling to find opportunities. Te- some teams, if they're not contending, then they're definitely not contending. Teams are tanking um, if they know they can't be competitive. You know, it used to be the day where every team tried, and now not every team does try. At least, you know, like for the Padres, for the last few years, you know, they've been making progress. They've been working and developing, but let's be real. They weren't trying to win the World Series. They just knew they weren't in a position to do that. And the system rewards teams on the bottom of the list. It rewards them by giving them um, top draft picks. And so, you know, the collective bargaining agreement, they're going to have to address this because from a free agent perspective, you you, you want to have all 30 teams bidding on your services or at least a great percentage of them. But for a lot of these players, you know, there really were only a couple of teams that were contending for them. So what are some of the innovative ideas they've talked about? They, they People have said that the top draft picks shouldn't go to the last place team. They should go to the top team that doesn't make the playoffs. So that would reward teams for trying, but still giving them um, a, you know, a break to build their team. Um, so that's a possibility. The other one is to do what the NBA does and, and, and put all the, the names in a, in a lottery. And, you know, they, they have that um, uh, draft lottery. And remember the whole scandal with Patrick Ewing in 1985, I think it was, or was it 84, where they say they, they froze the envelope so the commissioner could pick out the cold envelope so the Knicks could get Ewing. Um, I'm sure, you know, in 2019, 2020, we won't have to go back to physical um, envelopes that are frozen. <laughs> but, uh, you know, maybe they might have to have some sort of a randomness. So, you know, the, so in other words, so tanking is not rewarded. I'm hopeful that they can figure that out. Um, and there's a few other things in the collective bargaining agreement that need to be ironed out. So it would be smart on the owners and smart on the players to try to work these things out now rather than waiting until the very end of the current agreement, which I think expires in a couple of years, and then creating a bad situation where there's a lockout or a strike. But that could happen. Uh, But hopefully um, saner minds will prevail and they'll work these things out. So um, what else? The other interesting thing is – the, the Toronto Blue Jays, I, I was reading that they are now starting to pay their minor league players more money. And I thought, you know, that's a really good thing because a lot of those minor leaguers, they struggle. They don't make very much. I mean, if you were fortunate to get a really big signing bonus when you were when you were drafted, terrific. But, you know, if you're a late draft pick, you know, those guys are, you know, just barely eking by. And, and there's no guarantee they're going to make the major league roster. And meanwhile, these teams are flush with cash. It wouldn't take much for them to pay their guys a little more. And so, you know, the Blue Jays, to their credit, are stepping up. And I think the players love that. And I think if you're a player, you know, that's a team that you might want to go play for because maybe you agree with their philosophy. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm all about free market economics. And this is a case where a business paying their people well. Um, you know, they're not paying their minor leaguers millions and millions of dollars, but they gave them a bump. And um, I'll give the Toronto Blue Jays credit for that. So, man, all right. So I, I got to get back to, 
you know, getting on the TV and finding out what time. So, what, oh, it's 1228. They're going to start um, the uh, the um, opening day roster announcements here in just a moment. So I've got to say goodbye to you all. This is episode 40 of the John Riley Project. It's opening day, the first day of the Major League season. It's the Padres. It's the Giants. I hope you have a great 2019 season for you personally, for you professionally, and root for your favorite team this year, and we'll catch you next time on the John Riley Project. Bye-bye. <laughs>